0: Good morning, everybody. Va'yikra, perek chapter two of Va'yikra. Rabbi Menachem Liebtag began our journey through Sefer Va'yikra yesterday by connecting it the beginning of the book up until up to the end of the previous book, the Book of Shemot. Today, I want to really start uh, our journey with the. Uh, by concentrating on what is clearly the focus of the first part of the Book of Vayikra, and that is the korbanot, The korbanot, the sacrifices, are often seen as terribly challenging and intimidating by many people, for multiple reasons. Firstly, In Bereshit and Shemot until now, we've become used to the idea of narrative, that narrative is the way in which the Torah tells us its message. Stories are the central vehicle through which we derive the Torah's meaning. And now we find ourselves in the thicket of many details regarding these sacrifices. That's number one. Number two is that people may find... uh, a lack of meaning and a lack of significance in our world today. We seem to be very distant from the notion of offerings, of, uh, of animal offerings, which people may find ethically objectionable. What I want to try and do in some of our short audio notes over the coming days is to pull out different details from the passages in Vayikra, which might open us up to finding meaning and beauty in the Kurbanat, which we would not have spotted until now. Yesterday, chapter 1 of Vayikra, began with a focus on a form of a korban, a form of a sacrifice, called an olah offering. An olah is given by a person, adam is the phrase, is given by a person who has committed some sort of sin, has done some sort of avera which the Torah does not describe a punishment for. Or alternatively, it's not that an Aveirah has been committed, but rather a positive commandment has not been fulfilled. This is what's called a bitul not the non-fulfillment of a positive commandment. Or simply, neither of those, not the violation of a negative commandment, nor the non-fulfillment of a positive commandment, but rather somebody who simply feels the need to come closer to... Hashem, they're worried about their physical, about their spiritual state, and they want sort of some act of purification. This is the idea of the olah, and the olah, as it's presented to us in Vayikra chapter one, is given, but as a uh, through the vehicle of an animal sacrifice, whether it be a uh, the first section focuses. On bakar, whether it comes from, sh- cat, from cattle, the second on son, on the sheep, uh, or izim, or from goats, and the third one on off, on fowl, on birds. All of these varieties have the potential to be a korban ola. There are various roots to the idea of the korban ola, there are those who connect it to uh, the idea that the Allah is completely consumed. All of it goes up in flames. This is the opinion of Rashi and uh, and Radak. The uh, approach of the Ramban and the Ibn Ezra is that the olah is there because it is something which elevates one's thoughts. It uh, It's a, to take one up for, from a place of... Uh, of thinking in a negative way. Rav Hirsch, Rav Shimshon Rav Hirsch, the great uh, German commentator, sort of, elo- uh, sort of uh, does a riff on that to understand that the Ola is something which raises the person up himself. However, when it comes to chapter 2, we move to a different notion, a different version of Kurbanot, which is our chapter for today, and that is no longer the Ola, but rather the Mincha, the mincha is translated. We see it normally as a as a meal. Sorry, the, t- the mincha is a, literally means an offering. Uh, mincha, uh, critically, like the olah, is not an obligatory korban. It's not one which one has to give in a certain circumstance. Rather, it is a voluntary one. And in contrast to the olah, it does not come from the animals, but rather it can be based. On flour, it can be based. Uh, it's primarily based on flour. It is cooked in different ways. There are five different options which our chapter presents us with. And another significant difference to the olah in chapter one is that rather than it being completely consumed by the fire, it is also consumed by the kohanim, by the priests. And I'll just conclude with two comments of Rashi. Rashi, who so as is his way, so beautifully connect up uh, Midrashim with beautiful lessons into the text itself, Rashi, in chapter 1, when speaking about the Ola, notes that the introduction is Adam. It is described as follows, Adam ki yakriv mikem La lahashem, a man, literally, who offers up a sacrifice to God. And Rashi commenting, on that idea of Adam, Lama says, Why is the word Adam focused on? And Rashi says it's to draw our attention to Adam HaRishon, the first man. Just as Adam HaRishon lo min haGezel, Adam did not offer up a sacrifice from anything which was stolen. Shehakol hayasheloh because the whole world belonged to him. Af atem takrivu min so too must you not offer up anything from that which is stolen and of course that you would that makes sense as a simple halakha that one shouldn't offer up something which doesn't belong to oneself but i think on a deeper mean deeper level there's a resonance there that that which one offers has to be truly one's own and at the beginning of chapter two rashi notes that the language has moved from adam to actually nefesh, chapter two starts with nefesh ki mincha la Hashem. Literally, a soul which offers up a mincha offering to God, and Rashi again says, why this language of nefesh? He says, lo ne nefesh b'chol This doesn't appear with regards to all of the um, all of the offerings. Ela b'mincha, rather specifically with a mincha offering. The mincha offering, which is, of course, made of flour. It is not an expensive one. And Rashi carries on, quoting the Gemara in Masechet Menachot, Mi lehitnadev mincha? Who is it who is likely to offer up, to volunteer to offer up a korba mincha? It is an ani. It is a poor person, somebody who cannot afford to offer up a whole animal but rather has only the money only the means to offer up a very reasonably priced offering God says I look at this person as if they have offered up their whole soul that is how I consider this person just these two comments of Rashi bringing to the Details of the korbanot, some powerful ethical lessons that what a person offers up must belong to them. One cannot sacrifice that which does not belong to oneself, number one. And number two, that vayikra does not recognize any sense that those whose wealth is greater have a higher spiritual position, but rather that the korbanot, even of a very low economic cost, are considered when offered up in the by those who truly mean it as if they have given absolutely everything that they could wishing everybody a wonderful day